we start today's episode, just to let you know, you can now nominate for the 2025 Northern Power Women Awards. To be in with a chance of celebrating with changemakers, trailblazers and advocates on the 6th of March 2025. Nominate now at wearepower.net. Power Women podcast for your career and your life, no matter what business you're in. Hello and welcome to the third episode in our showcase season on the Northern Power Women podcast. I'm your host, Simone Roche, and as we get closer to this year's Northern Power Women Awards, which takes place on the 21st of March, which is a night dedicated to showcasing amazing talent from across the North, each week I'll be chatting to an incredible role model from across our community. And this week is no exception, as one of our esteemed power list is my guest. I'm delighted this week to be joined by Anu Kora, the head of legal and group in-house lawyer at Malocha Group, PLC. She is also sits as the vice chair of the National Law Society in-house division and is member of the Newcastle Law Society. A mentor, a mother, a friend, a peer and an enabler and I can absolutely vouch for that for all of the support that you gave us um, across our power circles. Empowering women across the northeast, um, Anu feels extremely privileged and proud to give back to the community that has given us so much since she has moved there. Anu, welcome to the podcast and thank you for joining me today. Thank you so much, Simone, for having me. So tell me, where did it all start for you? How did you navigate your way into the legal industry and law? To be honest, I've always had an interest in law from a really young age. I started off watching LA Law when I was you know, a teenager. The, the interest was probably sparked there. I loved public speaking. Um, I really feel strongly about articulating on behalf of others that maybe don't have that voice. Um, so it, it was a really natural progression from me from sort of college age to do a law degree and then um, came to the northeast and started my career and uh, I'm still here to be honest I'm from Manchester originally um, but it it felt very natural for me as well it was never I never had an undecided moment where this is I didn't know this is what I wanted to do. And when you first sort of got into the industry did you see um, many other women or Asian women working in law when you started? I remember when we sort of chatted about what we were going to talk about today and I had to sort of think back about when I first started and, and to be honest there wasn't many. Um, it feels like um, that there's many more now that are visible but at that time there was only really I'd say a few female barristers that I was aware of because I originally trained as a barrister um, and there certainly wasn't that many sort of female Asian barristers or even females to be honest as well that I could see in sort of a high ranking um, position sort of as as barristers or solicitors quite frankly so um, there wasn't many around at all. I think I've worked with um, one when I started off doing immigration work and who now works at the CPS and again like a few sort of in society but not as role models per se. And do you think this is why giving back, because I know giving back forms a, a huge part of your purpose. Um, is this why, you know, that it's so important for you to um, put this into action now? Yeah, definitely. I think that um, the more people can see peers that they identify with, 
then the more likely to the, they'll feel that I can do that, this myself. So I feel really strongly about the fact that if we're presenting these role models for the younger generation as well, they'll they'll be empowered themselves to think, well, actually, I can do this. Or they'll or actually just gatepost them as to where they need to go for information, where they can identify mentors. Um, you know, I, I have a mentor myself that uh, I was put in touch with through the Law Society that um, actually is male but empowers females. Um, so really, I, I think it's very, very important that if I can help someone along that journey, um, then I owe it to those people out there as well, because I'd probably be more fortunate than um, the rest, maybe having certain connections when I was younger that other people might not have those lines to. Um, and also as well, I'm navigated, I'm sort of in my 40s now, and I've been around for a little bit. Um, so I have some information that I could probably share quite widely and then uh, sort of, again, enable those people that may feel that uh, they're not sure about where, whether it's the right career for them or can I really achieve what I want to achieve and having doubts about themselves as well. Then if I can encourage that side of them to say, yes, I can do it, then that's really important to me. And you talked about having a mentor and a, a male mentor. That advocacy is is really, really important, isn't it? And do you think that's is that part of the solution? You know, we know there's plenty of women start out in law, but there there can be a large drop off historically. So you know, and, and at senior level, there really is that lack of diversity, both across gender and across race. Um, do you see this improving, or do, is it still the same? I certainly think it is improved and I think the more we talk about it, the more visible it is and the less people can hide um, behind that smokescreen and say, well, actually, the people are being called out now. You've got gender pay gap reporting, um, which means that if you're an organisation of a certain size, you have to report that data. I'm really proud every year to do the one that um, for my company, for instance, because we are, you know, it's predominantly female managers across the care home sector, especially and across even head office. Uh, so when we're reporting, it's a really positive piece of information I can put out there. but for the ones that it's not that positive, then they are being held to account. And I think when they bring in eventually sort of racial data that they'll have to and gender, um, like pay gap reporting, that again will call that out. I think it's not fully representative at the moment still. You know, you still see that, you know, at the, the upper echelons, especially the big law firms, et cetera, as well, that it, it will be not necessarily representative of um, the ethnic community that's, you know, of the the area that someone lives in. But I think it is, it's come a long way. There's just a, still a lot that people need to do. And I think, again, the more we're talking about it, the more work that organisations like you do um, for Northern Power Women as well really identifies that and encourages people to to take that mantle on and do more to promote um, equality across the board. I think we're really passionate about how can we shift culture by storytelling and identifying best practice, you know. So does the workplace culture of law support um, working families and what challenge, you know, what challenges have you faced along the way? You know, it's inevitable that they're going to have long hours, court hours, the, you know, the amount of work that you have to prepare for uh, in, in advance. Do we have the right culture in place? I think it very much depends on who you work for. Um, I'm lucky where I where I work at the moment as well. They um they fully embrace all flexible working as well. I've got two children as well that you know that that, that is taken into account um, when I'm sort of organising my time. But the more you put in, the more you get out of it. Um, in that sort of organisation, not uh, all companies are like that. And I've I moved in house actually. Not for that reason, but uh, I have seen a definite shift in terms of my work-life balance as well. I work really hard, but I feel like in return, you know, my employers are very flexible with me. Um, I, I can't 
say that for other organisations that I'm aware of, uh, especially in the law, quite frankly. So, you know, you can't tar everyone with the same brush. You know, I don't want to go out there and say all law firms are terrible employers. Um, they make you work ridiculous hours. But I think there is definitely a culture that sometimes is quite toxic in terms of presenteeism and you have to be seen to be doing those long hours. And I certainly felt that when I had kids, when they were very, very young, I couldn't do those long hours anymore as well. So, you know, just making sure that I was lucky. I was in a predominantly female sort of um, department, so it wasn't an issue. There was a lot of women in my situation. But if I hadn't been, and if I'd been at, say, maybe like a, you know, a golden circle firm, or especially, you know, the London firms, like you hear this horror, horror stories, that the fact that the hours are so ridiculously long, you literally have, you, you may as well sleep at work because, you you know, <laughs> you're never going to leave the office. Of all the awful things that COVID has brought about, one of the positive things is more flexibility in the workplace. So I'm hoping that with that, actually it will encourage more people to ask for flexible work and it will, employers will be a bit more comfortable with allowing that flexibility as well because they've had to do it for a certain period of time. And if it if they don't offer those benefits, then actually, you know, they're going to not necessarily attract the right talent. I think that leads me on to a couple of things. I think, you know, to your point, um, you know, the, the, the pandemic has proven you know what was not available for years this flexibility and working from home and all that kind of stuff it is is proved that it can work and it does work and have you seen a shift in that going back to normal I know we're big fans of build forward better as opposed to build back better because I think it's about taking some of the learnings of what we've all had to kind of endure and learn and you know sort of and and, and at some point some tiny points benefit from that flexibility can you see it sort of slipping back or can you see those forward organizations taking the good bits forward I think if you don't embrace the change then you're going to get left behind and you will lose the opportunity to attract the right people for those positions so if if people are gonna stay in the dark ages as such and then not like I said embrace the best parts of the you know things we've taken away from COVID as well you, you're cutting out a sector of the job market that could be really attractive to that organization so I think you know they'd be daft um, to to do that and just ignore the fact that this is the culture shift as well. I think that, you know the company I work for owns care homes, bars, and restaurants, so they they've run you know the care side all the way through as well. Leisure side has been affected. Head office, we locked down with everyone else, but then it, it sort of took a hybrid approach to bringing people back. So I think it very much depends on the needs of the organisation. But certainly, if you if you haven't had a bit of a mind shift as a result of all the changes that were happening and um, I think you'd probably be just doing yourself a disservice. And I think that's one of the things that we've been talking about since probably about the autumn time, this this sort of the effect and the impact of the, the pandemic um, outside, obviously, people's health and and, and well-being but it's we've seen this thing uh, or this we've talked a lot about the great resignation um, and we know that millions and millions of people and we know that it's more women than men and more younger people and middle-aged people have quit their jobs and now talking around the great evaluation as people are taking a big look at how and what they work you know we talk about purpose so much you know and I think that's definitely one of the things that I have appreciated is really trying to you know we all want to do everything want to save the whole world and change our bit of the world but actually it's what can be really working up purpose and impact be felt you know is this something that you've witnessed happening certainly yes I mean I, I'm not massively involved recruitment and um, the HR side of uh, the company deal with that but it does 
impact sort of the, the department that I work in as well and I work on sort of the leadership side of things with the company um, and we've certainly seen it at that level you know everyone's struggling recruiting wise as well like the applicants that the volume you'd see before is certainly not at that volume now and I think that people have been a lot more selective and again the people that are applying for the jobs are the ones that probably really want it and they want to stay there for the long term so it's not necessarily a bad thing to have a smaller pool of candidates because actually you're probably going to have um, people that are genuinely really interested in that job job but on the flip side it should never be a knee-jerk reaction as well so you know people when they're in evaluating it it, it's a set of circumstances I think I read somewhere you should never make decisions in in haste obviously but not if you're made necessarily in a bad place if someone's being made redundant thinking oh well I don't want to be in this career anymore I, I wanted to sort of jack it in as well because of everything that's been going on as well I'd really just encourage that person to think really long and hard about what they want to do and where you know if you're going to be in a job you need to love that type of work that you do because you're there most of the time you know especially if you're in an office environment you're with your work colleagues more than you're with your own family so if you don't love the people that you work with and you don't love the type of work that you do then clearly you're not going to enjoy it and then that is not going to you know you're not going to retain that member of staff either and I think this is going to almost highlight those employers that are doing the small things and sometimes it's the the small things that can make them that employer of choice I think I was talking to I know you're not in recruitment but I was talking to a um, a, a recruitment agency a few weeks ago and and they were saying you know people are giving up six-figure salaries to go and work for a really purpose-led startup so I think it's this it's it's not just about sort of changing sort of from one organization sector to another there's a wider bit than that I think people are really kind of reflecting and and I think it's it's up to employers to be kind of creative I suppose isn't it and what you know how is that going to affect what employers need to offer their staff in the future yeah absolutely I, I, as I said at the height of Covid you know everything was stripped back you had so many liberties that were taken away with you but you were just you were left with very core principles weren't you the core things that matter to you in life as well like your family you know the place that you live in etc as well so a lot of people are probably re-evaluating what was really important to them um and that's carried on but in terms of what employers can offer you know it's not rocket science um people are looking for a, a better employee culture you know more flexibility you know, it, hybrid working um but more focusing on employee welfare as well so really based you know based on the fact that there's been a massive impact on people's mental health um throughout the pandemic as well what are people doing to make sure that your employees are protected you know we have like an eap scheme as well that we run you know we're very mindful of the fact it's had an effect on our employees as well so just making sure that your core staff are looked after um, and then they feel that they are being supported throughout this, you know, it's still not over really, you know, people are still adjusting. Um, and then we don't, you know, let's not forget as well that how many how many people have actually still been, are being still be affected by the pandemic. Um, so whilst we're going through that and then the long-term effect of that as well, what can we do to mitigate um, the impact on, on those members of staff? If they can look at those core things that they can do, then you know, that would be a good step forward. Anu, thank you for allowing us to showcase you, your industry, your story on today's podcast. That's what this podcast is all about. So thank you so much, Anu, for joining us. You're very welcome. Thank you so much for having me. And thank you to all of you for tuning in today. Please do tell your friends about our podcast. Reach out to us on socials at North Power Women on Twitter and Northern Power Women on all our other social media. Please join us next 
next week, Monday the 28th of February, we'll be joined by another incredible role model from across our Northern Power Women community. My name is Simone Roche and you've been listening to the Northern Power Women podcast, a What Goes On Media production. Oh, yeah.